I used to believe that creativity was reserved for artists. I really thought you had to be a painter, musician, or theoretical physicist to tap into true creativity. Well, I was wrong on many fronts. Yes, artists are creative, and so is everyone else, including you. This is the 5AM Miracle, episode number 413. Three questions to creatively solve any problem with Roger Firestein. Good morning, I am Jeff Sanders, and this is the podcast dedicated to dominating your day before breakfast. My guest today has trained more people to lead the creative process than anyone else in the world. He is senior faculty and associate professor at the Center for Applied Imagination at SUNY Buffalo State. As president of Innovation Resources, he consults, creates training programs, runs breakthrough labs, and has created a series of courses for Open Sesame. He is an author of several popular books, including Create in a Flash and Why Didn't I Think of That? And now here is my interview with Roger Firestein. Let's just kick things off this week with a bit about you. I want to give our audience a sense of kind of the work you do today in the world of creativity and, and other aspects of that. So, so what, what are you up to today? Well, as of today, I've trained more people to lead the creative process than anybody else in the world. I think primarily because I've been in the creativity field for probably over 44 years. I'm the senior faculty and associate professor at the Center for Applied Imagination at SUNY Buffalo State. And I've also consulted nationally and internationally with major corporations, government agencies. And I'm excited to be here today for a couple of things. We've just uh, launched my sixth book, Create in a Flash, A Leader's Recipe for Breakthrough Innovation. And we've just re-released my first book, which is a little creativity fable called Why Didn't I Think of That? Um, And uh, the Why Didn't I Think of That is Better Ideas and Decision-Making at Home and at Work, a short little 60-page book. Um, and creating a flash is full of pictures and and all sorts of examples of this. So that's what I'm up to today. Yeah, I, I love the connection between creativity and what this podcast really focuses on in the mm-hmm. worlds of productivity, personal development, healthy habits. I feel like there's a strong connection. I know for myself anyway, Absolutely. and the way that I go about my day, the things that I want to get done. I know that creativity is a big aspect of, of all of that. So let's mm-hmm. kind of dig into the work that you're doing here and the books you have out Let's start with creativity itself in terms of why is creativity important? Or if someone were to you know, focus on it, like what kind of benefits do they get if creativity is in part of their world? Well, let's think about it this way. For your folks that are listening to this, if creativity is really in a business world, a strategic business weapon, all right? And if you don't think creativity is important, you better hope your competition thinks the same, <laughs> right? Because that's the edge out there. The edge that we have out there is the ability to think differently, to create differently, to put out products and services in a different way. Because many of us have the same delivery systems, but the thing that sets us apart is that competitive edge. And we can talk about how to really foster that in your listeners. Yeah, certainly. I mean, that's obviously going to be kind of one of the bigger uh, challenges, I guess, would say, let's imagine someone doesn't think of themselves as creative, which I know that for a long time, you know, I didn't think of myself as that kind of person because I basically associated creativity with artists. And, mm-hmm. you know, if I wasn't, you know, painting a picture or wasn't doing something along those lines that I wasn't creative, h- how do you think that creativity fits into, I guess, identity? If someone needs to all of a sudden think of themselves as a creative person, like how do you, yes. you get someone to to think and believe like that? 
Well, let's do a creativity checklist, Jeff. And so let's think about this. I'm going to ask you about, I'm going to give you like four or five statements here. And if you can put a check by that, you're creative. So from a perspective of a student, uh, creativity is a student connecting what matters in his life to a career that he can pursue with passion. Creativity is making an already tight budget go even further. Creativity is a better way to feed the homeless people in your city. Creativity is preparing a delicious meal from leftovers in the refrigerator. Creativity is making bedtime fun to get kiddos to sleep. And finally, creativity is finding a new way to tell someone that you love them. Were you able to check off any of those, Jeff? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. So there you go. And you're absolutely right, Jeff. Most people think that creativity is the, is the artist, is the musicians. But we're all creative and we all create in different and valuable ways. And what you just checked off there was an aspect of everyday creativity. The thing that makes us human is our ability to create, our ability to think differently. Yeah, I think that that's that's one thing that I know that I made the connection with years Mm -hmm. ago was that I really thought of creativity as something that says, you know, I can do something new in the world. I can I can create something out of nothing. I can bring things together and something new will happen because of it. Like, I like that thought that, you know, I can be kind of this, you know, I can be a person who can be creative in a lot of different ways. And so from that perspective, like, how do we foster more of that as a lifestyle? How do we think like someone who is creating on a consistent basis? Like, is there a set of like habits to have or a set of tools we need? Like, how do we become more creative more often? Well, yes and yes, there's habits, there's tools, all of those things. Um, Let me talk with you about, about probably the most powerful tool that you can use. And let me tell you a story. A couple of months ago, I was doing a virtual seminar with a, with a group and, and I talked about the book. I talked about the videos that we just produced on innovation on the Open Sesame Learning Platform. And this question came up. And the question was, well, how do you move from reading your book or just sort of like a one-off event to being consistently creative throughout your life? And Jeff, this was really interesting because the, the, uh, the question stumped me because I've been in this business for 44 years, and this is just the way I think. And then one of my brilliant graduate students who was at the virtual conference came on and said, well, learn the language of creativity. So what's the language of creativity? Well, the language of creativity is asking creative questions. So for example, let's say your problem is we don't have any money. Well, when you say that statement, your brain says no money, brain stops. But think about this. What might be all the ways we can raise the money? How might we get, uh, how might we reduce the cost? How might we get investors to give us money? How might we prove the value of our project so people will invest? Now, those four questions open your mind to the possibility of coming up with some new ideas there. They tell your brain to go search for solutions as opposed to making a statement that, hey, our problem is we don't have any money, so your thinking stops there. The, big, the biggest thing that I can tell our listeners is use the language of creativity. And when we interview people after this, uh, after we, they've been through a program or a course, this is one of the things that stays with them. They ask creative questions like, how might I, or how to, or what might be all the ways to. Now, there's some daily habits that you can use to be more creative as well. So would, would you like to talk about those? Oh, certainly. Well, here's some things as I was thinking about this, our interview. It's one is, well, let me come over maybe three or four things. <laughs> First off, 
find the best time of the day for you to be creative. Um, I find that my best creative times are in the morning. And I'm probably after I've had a good night's sleep, um, I'm probably good for about two or three hours with that. When I was writing the book, uh, my previous book before this, I would get up about 6.30 in the morning, write for about maybe two to three hours, and that would be it. Um, so that's all I could handle for that. I find also that another thing helps. I'm a big advocate of napping. And after I take a nap, I'm really, really productive. So that's the creative time that works for me. Now, that's when you have to turn on the creativity. But the thing is, is that we're creative all the time. And an example is, Jeff, let me ask you this. Where do you get your best ideas? Where do you get your best ideas? And the, I think the typical answer to that is probably in the shower. But I think for yeah. me, I tend to get my best ideas when I go on a walk or I go on hiking. Mm -hmm. um, I'm usually when I'm not doing my work directly. Like I find that getting away helps a lot. That's exactly right. And so if we ask people that, there's a number of things that come to mind. Taking a bath or a shower, falling asleep at night, uh, exercising, driving, because what folks are doing at that time is they're paying attention to something in an automatic way, all right? And so the judgmental part of your brain is busy driving you. It's busy getting, getting that shower. It's busy navigating your walk. And that lets that other part of your brain sort of let those ideas bubble forth. Now, the key is to capture those ideas when they occur. And so if you're driving, <laughs> um, have your smartphone out, you know, dictate the ideas into that. My first book, Why Didn't I Think of That, um, was actually dictated into a tape recorder, a tape recorder, right? This is how old it was, hmm. uh, back in 1986. And, and here's the story. Um, I was working on my doctoral dissertation, and I was exhausted. And I went to Washington to visit some friends and uh, had dinner. And, and I always carry a little top pocket tape recorder with me. Now, of course, I have my smartphone. And I thought, you know, like to, to sort of save on luggage, I'll, I'll just not take the tape recorder. But I took it with me. And Jeff, wouldn't you know, we went out to dinner about three o'clock in the morning. I woke up and I dictated almost that entire book into that tape recorder. We had to go out the next morning to get another tape because I used it up. Hmm. Now, if I wouldn't have had that little pocket tape recorder with me, that book would not exist. And so one of the ways for your folks to become deliberately creative is to pay attention to they are creating all the time. And the key is to capture those ideas. So um, oftentimes I recommend putting, putting something to write with beside your bed. I've got that in case. So when the ideas come to me, because I know I will forget them, dictate that into your smartphone um, if you're driving. But the key is to capture those ideas whenever and wherever they come to you. And generally they're going to come to you, Jeff, just like what you talked about. When you're paying attention to something in an almost automatic, relaxed way, those ideas begin to bubble forth. Yeah, I know for, for me, years ago, I had this thing called Aqua Notes, which is a waterproof notepad for your shower, <laughs> so you could write ideas down, and I yeah. I used it quite a bit for, for a season of my life. I haven't used it in a while, but I feel like even just having you know, those opportunities to capture ideas in a variety of places, like, it's really powerful. I think it's, it's one of those, like, you know, it's a missed opportunity if you don't have those things in place. You know, Jeff, and I think the thing is, too, around that is, is it allows you to relax a bit more. Because mm. and, and my thing is when I'm shaving um, is and my office is right next to, uh, to to the bathroom. So oftentimes I'll run around and just jot something down. Hopefully the neighbors aren't looking in on a sheet of paper or something that the idea comes to me. It'll be a phrase, something from to put into a book, a, an idea for a presentation. And, and you're absolutely right on that. Um, it's just capturing those ideas whenever they come to you. And so finding that time is absolutely crucial. <laughs> 
what if in 2024 you got a little bit better every day? When you're learning a new language with my sponsor, Babbel, that's exactly what you're doing. And if Babbel can help you start speaking a new language in just three weeks, imagine what you could do in a full year. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Finally achieve your new language goal in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's convenient courses have helped me to learn real-life conversation skills in German, including ordering food and asking for directions without having to rely on language apps while traveling. Babbel has over 16 million subscriptions sold. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Now, here's a special limited-time deal for my listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for my listeners at babbel.com slash 5am. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash 5am, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash 5am. Rules and restrictions may apply. I know that for me, a lot of my kind of best ideas, I I really don't credit them to myself. Like, I really feel like I get them because I'm reading books or I'm listening Mm -hmm. to podcasts or I'm, you know, engaging in learning. Like, what do you think is the connection between like that kind of a lifestyle where you are, you know, consuming a lot of content and then how to, I guess, to apply that then to your own life? Well, the connection making process is crucial and you've really hit on something beautiful. A number of years ago, a study was conducted on highly creative scientists. And what they did was they looked at the reading habits of these scientists. Now, you can broaden this out to reading habits, podcasts, those sorts of things. And they looked at these these scientists' productivity, and they divided them into three groups. And they looked at their reading habits. The first group they identified were the slugs. Okay, now these people were neither productive nor were they innovative, right? (laughs) And they didn't read much. The second group were the technically proficient scientists, and these people read almost exclusively in their fields. So they were reading journals, they were reading technical articles, all those sorts of things. The third group were the highly creative or the highly innovative scientists. Now, they weren't always necessarily as technically proficient as their technically proficient counterparts, but they were much more creative. Their reading habits ranged from not only technical stuff, but just about everything that they could get their hands on. So they were reading everything from Time Magazine to Psychology Today to to, to different podcasts. And creativity is making connections. And the more information you have out there, the greater are your chances of making connections. And the interesting thing about it is, is that it just comes in. And one of the keys to creativity is to make connections from things that are usually not considered related. And we can talk about that in just a little bit. But for your listeners, and it builds right on what you're saying there, Jeff, is read in different fields, read in a variety of fields, pick up something that you might not be interested in at all, and and just, just read through it. Because later on, that's going to go into your brain, and that will help to foster more connections and more innovative ideas later on down the process. Yeah, I feel like that's been, I think for me personally, my key to creating better content for my podcast, for my mm. blog, for my books. I feel like that reading for me was always the connection for if I was in a slump or a creative, you know, like you know, low period. I knew mm-hmm. and I've known for a long time that that was always my vehicle to kind of get my brain moving again was just to bring yes. in new ideas from other people um, on, on top of going, you know, going to the gym or going for a sure. run. Like those things were helpful. 
Uh, are there other kind of daily habits that we would want to integrate to kind of create more of this, or is it just more of a kind of get the ball rolling and things will begin to take place? Well, Jeff, I would recommend some, 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 some creativity habits that involve three questions. The first question, when you're working on something, just ask yourself, how else can I do this? How else can I do this? And just by posing that question, your mind begins to look for some other ways of accomplishing that. The other thing is ask, well, what if? What if? And then one of my favorites, and this goes back to the podcasts and your listening, is how can I use something that doesn't fit with this at all? How can I use something that doesn't fit with this at all? And so um, how else can I do this? What if? How can I use something that doesn't fit with this at all? And that bottom one, how can I use something that doesn't fit with this at all, is making those connections in a whole bunch of different ways from a whole bunch of different sources. And, and we can talk about that in a minute if you'd like. Yeah, one thing I, I just thought of when you mentioned these, these mm-hmm. questions was this uh, practice that I learned years ago from a guy named Earl Nightingale, who is who's oh, yes. since deceased. Yeah, Earl's a great, great guy. Oh, and wonderful. one of the things I learned, I believe it was from him, I'm correct about this, was to take a practice where you would write a question like on a whiteboard and then mm-hmm. spend 30 minutes just thinking of as many possible answers to that question as you could. And I think that kind of plays back to kind of your examples earlier of, you know, what if we're low on money and how do we solve that problem? Mm-hmm. Like you would use that practice as a way to just like get your brain, like force creativity into you by answering the question for as long as you could and as deeply as you could. And I've done that in the past with difficult problems. It is just so profound for me to see like how many possible answers there are to these tough questions. And I, I love that kind of engagement there. Well, um, Earl Nightingale was borrowing from one of his contemporaries, Alex Osborne, who actually invented the brainstorming technique, right? And Alex Osborne is the O in the advertising agency, BBDNO. And a lot of Alex's work is what my work is based on. Not only did he develop brainstorming, but he developed a whole process for creativity, which is identifying the problem, sharing ideas, developing those solutions and putting those solutions into action. But the big watchword on this, and this is building on what uh, Earl Nightingale said is, Write it down as a creative question and then just don't judge those ideas. Just write them down. Give yourself. And one of the things that we've found is to give people a quota. Give yourself a quota of, let's say, about 40 ideas. Now, that might sound a lot, but, you know, if over time you can, um, we can, if, if you have a highly trained group, we can do that in about three or four minutes. But if you're working over time, just put that creative question up there. You know, how am I going to raise the money for the project? Write down four or five ideas or, or as the day passes, write those down. And then don't judge those ideas. And what we found is when we evaluated those ideas overall, the first, and I think you probably found this to be true, Jeff, the first probably eight to 10 ideas were probably the usual ideas, the ideas you thought of before. Now, from idea like 12 to 24 or so, the more unusual ideas surfaced. You probably got a little crazier, a little goofier there. Mm -hmm. Now, those unusual ideas were important because they helped to form the, the more unique combinations, the more unique ideas that occurred later on in the process. And so incidentally, if you hit your idea quote of about 40 ideas and you're really moving, let yourself go, you'll be real pleased with the ideas that you get after that. But the key learning here for your, for your listeners is if you're sitting around and generating 10 or 12 ideas and you think you're getting real creative, you're not. All mm-hmm. you're doing is getting those ideas out that are already rumbling around in people's heads. The creativity comes in the stretch. The innovation comes in the stretch. And I think that's probably what you experienced. Yeah, this actually reminds me of, you know, when I've written my books in the past, I would give myself like four to five hours of a focused block of time to write Mm -hmm. each day. 
And I always discovered that kind of my best and, and most creative and, you know, innovative writing techniques would happen deeply into that process. Yes. Like, is this the quite, uh, like a, I guess a process where we have to kind of get through that muck in the beginning to get to the better things down the road? Well, I'm so glad you mentioned that, Jeff, because one of the things that um, I recommend throughout my career and what I teach my graduate students and folks in my seminars is to do what we call a little warm-up activity. Now, the reason why you were probably getting better stuff when you're a couple of hours into it is because your brain was warmed up, you were making those connections. And just as it's crucial to warm up for physical exercise, it's also crucial to warm up for mental exercise as well. So when we're doing a group idea generating session, we don't dive right into the issue. What we do is we work on something fun, like um, you know how to improve a bathtub or how to get a hippopotamus out of a bathtub or what to do with the 10,000 bowling balls that are flat on one side um, or what to do with 10,000 ping pong balls or, or how to get an elephant out of a refrigerator. Something fun, something goofy like that. Um, and, and you just do that for five minutes and generate all the ideas you can for that. And the group loosens up. You have a lot more fun. And then when you work on the challenge at hand, you're warmed up, you're ready to go. And Jeff, in my entire career, when I neglected to do a little five to seven minute warm up exercise with a group, the group stalled. I had to go back and do it again. So mm. whenever I'm working in a group situation, I recommend warm up. I recommend, highly recommend warm up first, because that will be the biggest killer to a group idea generating session is that the group's not warmed up. Because what a warm up does is it sanctions the time for speculation. It says, we're going to speculate now. We're going to try out new ideas. We're not going to judge these ideas. And then you practice it just like an athlete warms up, just like an athlete practices before they have to perform. So warm up first. I'm, I'm gonna, I think I know the answer to this question already, but I'm going to ask it for you <laughs> anyway. Do you think that yeah. it's going to be better creativity-wise to work with a group to answer a question? Or if you have, like, let's say, a personal issue you're trying to work through, is it helpful to do it by yourself? Or is it more helpful to bring somebody else into that process to brainstorm ideas? Well, um, my answer is going to be yes and. Um, and so here's, here's kind of the way we would recommend it. If you had the luxury of time around this, when we do a creativity session with an organization, we'll bring in the person that owns the challenge, but then we'll also tell, also tell sometimes bring in, oftentimes bring in a group of folks that have no relation to the challenge at all so that they can bring in the new ideas and the new concepts. And then uh, we get them together. We have them first generate a bunch of creative questions to make sure that we're solving the right problem. We then pick the best creative question to work on and then generate some ideas for solving it. The best example, the best way to do this is to, is if you have the time, get a group together or, you know, you're working in a group, generate a bunch of ideas and then let them sit, but let them sit so that you can see them. And then individual time comes in because what we found is after you've been through a really well-functioning idea generating session, the ideas don't stop there. They keep going. Your, your brain is, is warmed up. It's turned on. And so it's not uncommon for people four or five days later to still be getting ideas for the problem that they were working on in an intense idea generating session earlier on. So I would say yes. And if you have the luxury of doing it, uh, yes, let's get a group together to generate a bunch of ideas for them. Let them set let them incubate, add to those ideas over the course of time, then select the best of your ideas. Um, that's the ideal way to do it. Now, if you don't have the luxury of a group, Jeff, what you've recommended there, writing the question, the creative question on the whiteboard works, works great. And we've done that with organizations as well. So put that creative question up there, you know, how might I jot down some ideas, step away, you know, as you're going through the day, jot down another couple of ideas. 
one of our corporate clients um, put whiteboards throughout their research and development facility. And what they had, what they did was they had research scientists write creative questions that they were working on on there. And as people were walking by, they'd stop and they'd add an idea to it or add something to it. The productivity increased dramatically because they had those uh, those questions out there. So it's a yes and, okay? Uh, yeah, I, I love that. It just had reminded me of you know the way that I create presentations when I do mm-hmm. a speech is that I will kind of work on some slides for a day, come back to it again a day later or a couple of days later. And that process, I feel like over time, if I just keep coming back to it, like I get deeper into the process through like repeated exposure to it. And I feel like that for me has been a lot more effective than let's say just one big work session to you know try to be creative right now for the next three hours. It seems to be easier if I break it into pieces over a longer period of time. Jeff, that's so true. My recommendation is to go where the energy is. Um, when we wrote Create in a Flash, uh, you know, people say, well, how do you write a book? Well, you don't write a book from the beginning to the end, at least not a book like the way I did it. Um, you write it in sections and you write it where the energy is. And so um, if, if I had energy around a certain part of the book, I would write that. If I had energy around another part of the book, I would go there. Also, when you talk about group is I was fortunate to have a wonderful editor to work with. And so the collaboration around writing the book was wonderful because I could get to a certain point, give it over to Heather, my editor. She would make some changes on it. She would bring it back to me. So we had some group collaboration going on there. But definitely, you know, it's not a linear process. We had the image of the book in mind at a start and a finish. But as you're producing it, there's going to be some days you're going to have energy around this part of the process or another day you have energy around this part of the book. And so to your point, go where the energy is and right on the money. When Same thing with me when I'm working on a PowerPoint or a presentation, I'll work on sections of it and, and step back from it. And short bursts are great. Uh, getting away and taking a walk. Before we did our, t- our talk today, I was out and took a little walk um, because I needed to have a little creative break because I was working on a presentation as well. So best thing you can do is you, when you get stuck on a creative project is push your chair away from the desk and go take a walk. Fast forward to the end of 2024 and think about your goals. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should check out my sponsor, Babbel. Finally achieve your new language goal in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel has over 16 million subscriptions sold, and studies from Yale, Michigan State University, and others continue to prove Babbel is better. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. Babbel's convenient courses have helped me to learn real-life conversation skills in German, including ordering food and asking for directions, without having to rely on language apps while traveling. Now, here's a special limited-time deal for my listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for my listeners at babbel.com slash 5am. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash 5am, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash 5am. Rules and restrictions may apply. (laughs) 
I mean, from that same angle, do you think that there's a connection between like personal health and creativity? Because I know for me, like not just beyond having like a lot of coffee to have a little more energy, mm -hmm. but specifically this idea of napping you mentioned earlier or just trying to like, I guess, prepare yourself for creativity. Is it going to be best or in our best interest, I guess, to, to sleep well, eat well, work out? Does that tend to lead to better like brain activity and better creativity? Yes, yes, and yes. It absolutely leads to better brain activity. I can't be creative if I'm exhausted, okay? Because when I'm exhausted, that brain functioning is like, hey, don't bother me with creative ideas now. We need to make it through the day, all right? And so that's why naps work so well. Um, and, you know, you think about creators like Edison, he would oftentimes sleep in the laboratory because he'd be working on one project, uh, go to work on another one, take a nap. Um, and, and like I said, I'm a big advocate of nappers because that refreshes your brain and your brain is doing all this clearing and cleansing and all, all that great stuff. And, and then during, through the course of the day is, you know, other things build up. So get that creative stuff out early in the day, if that works for you. Another thing that I recommend too, is that if you're, and Jeff, you've experienced this because we're talking around this, if you're working on a creative project and you're beginning on it, let the power of incubation work for you. And what I mean by that is like, if you're working on something and as you're starting it, just read a bunch of stuff about it, get involved in it, start the first couple of paragraphs the evening before and leave those first couple of paragraphs and those lines ready. And then the next morning, when you come up, when you wake up and you start the project again, you can pick up right where you left off. Oftentimes the hardest part of the creative process is starting. And so what I will do is when I'm working on a project and I know I'm fatigued, I'll back off with it and I'll say, okay, I'll, and it's really interesting. If you see my PowerPoint slides, it says, Roger, start here. Or if you see my books, <laughs> Roger, start here. Because what I'll do is I'll read this stuff before then. It's like, okay, I have the energy now. I'm going to go and start and we'll, we'll, we'll build it from here. But it's having those little starters that get you going. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard of a technique where someone would write a question down before going to sleep, and then mm -hmm. the next morning they wake up and, and they've given their brain the chance to kind of like subconsciously answer the question for them, and then they have answers when they wake up, which I find is kind of, it seems to fit with that same model of you know, giving yourself the chance to begin and give your brain the chance to rest, and then the creativity would then show up. Absolutely, and that's why when you're falling asleep, sometimes those ideas will hit you. Also, um, that Alex Osborne, the inventor of brainstorming, said he, he he says the way you sort of nurture creativity in the morning is is take an easy morning. You know, don't don't rush out of the house. Okay, when you have the opportunity, take a little bit more time and 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 use that first few hours of the day for some creative ideas for your creative productivity, and that's incredibly productive as well. So people will find their rhythms around this. You know. I have a good colleague who her creativity time started at about 10 o'clock at night and she'd go to about two o'clock in the morning. So the last thing that you wanted to do was have a nine o'clock meeting with Mary. All right. <laughs> Other colleagues would be up at six o'clock in the morning. They'd be cranking stuff through. And so they had their creative time done by like nine o'clock or nine 30. And the other thing is those short spurts. Um, Jeff, you're experiencing this, you know, three to five hours of, of total work time in a creative project. That's a lot you know, give me 30, 40 minutes and I'm doing great, mm. <laughs> but little pieces. Yeah. Is there a, I mean, I, we asked this question kind of the opposite direction mm -hmm. here, but being yeah. healthy is good. And then, so I'm assuming from that perspective that stress is going to be really difficult for creativity. I know that a lot of the people that listen to my show are high achievers and people that have big goals. And I know that for myself, like I tend to take on a lot 
And then mm-hmm. when I do so, I'm stressed. And when I'm stressed, I feel like that's when everything stops for me. Like my my brain turns off. I can't function. Have you seen that that is the case for people who are trying to be creative, that stress is an obstacle to that? Stress, fear, a negative corporate culture, all those sorts of things. Yes. Because what that does to you is your brain is working in the highest, highest function. When you're creating, you're really using that big top of your brain, the corpus callosum. Um, when you're stressed, um, you're focusing on that flight fight response. Um, you got to get it through. You got to make it happen. And so, and when you're when you're afraid, there's very little creative productivity that goes on there, right? Because what's happening is that you are in that stage of your process where you've got to you've got to react. You've got to get out of there. You don't have the time to just kind of reflect back on and and um, and to let those ideas come. So, so what I've I've found is that. Um, less is more. And, and as I'm, you know, I'm, I'm 65 now. And I look back over the last year and a half, I was talking to somebody and I, I said, boy, I'm kind of, I'm having a great time. They said, well, Roger, you you haven't stopped working. So what do you mean? They said, well, over the last couple of years, you've written a book. uh, You've uh, re-released your first book. You put together a nine part video series. You've written blogs. um, You've done consulting and work. I said, yes, but I don't feel stressed around it. And I think mm. that's the key. If you can unhook stress from productivity, if you can unhook doing so much with with confusing that with being productive, then you can really go deep into a lot of things. So I usually have on my to-do list maybe three main things that I should be working on. And they go from teaching a class at the university to doing some consulting work to doing my writing. And that's really the three areas that, that I focus on. And if I can do well in those, I'm good. So I think in this case, Jeff, less might be more. Yes, I definitely agree with that. And the less <laughs> I have going on, the, the better I feel on most things. Yeah, um, yeah. What have I not asked about what creativity you want to mention here today? Yeah, I, I think here's something that's really fun in that creativity is making connections. And there's a wonderful story about this and making connections from things that don't relate to each other. And I'm going to tell you this story, and I'm sure you've probably recognized it. And, and the story is about the Nike waffle trainer. And uh, the story is, is that the Bill Bowerman, the inventor of the Nike waffle trainer, uh, was trying to develop a new foot gear uh, for his athletes to grip the new AstroTurf. And he was having a real hard time doing it. And one summer Sunday morning in 1971, he and his wife, Barbara, are making breakfast and Barb, they're making waffles. And Barbara pulls a waffle off the hot waffle iron Bill makes a connection between the soles of the running shoes and the waffle, okay? He actually had a lab at his house where he worked on shoes. He takes the waffle iron to the lab. By the end of the day, he prototyped the Nike waffle trainer and founded a billion-dollar industry. Now, here's the thing. Bill had been working on this problem for months. So what if we could speed up the creative process? And so to your point of making connections, what we recommend for people to do is that when they're working on a challenge is to one Phrase it like a creative question. Start to deliberately generate some ideas like you mentioned. But then if you slow down, take a look around the room. Take a look out the window. So, for example, what example, what ideas do I get from the recycling bin out there uh, for getting more money for my project? Or what ideas do I get from the trees in the backyard for getting more money for the project? And if you make connections like that, what that does is it gets the process going again and gets those new ideas flowing. So, Jeff, to your point, ideas are all around us. They're always happening. And we have such a rich source of ideas just by opening our eyes, looking at the world, reading some different material, 
talking to different people. That's another thing. Talk to different people because they have different information that you do and they can help you to solve your challenge in some new ways. So that's the other thing I'd say is, is making connections. So learning the language of creativity, making connections. Don't judge your ideas until you have a bunch of them. You should be fine. This is great stuff. I, I love it, Roger. There's so much here Thank to you. pull from. And I definitely want our listeners to dig into your books and, and get more from you. So, so where can they go to learn more from the work you're doing now? We well, you can just go to my website, rogerfirestein.com. And the last name is F-I-R-E-S-T-I-E-N. And you can purchase Create in a Flash on that. Uh, you can also purchase when I think of that as well. When you buy the hard copy of the book uh, from th- that website, I sign them for you. And we're also on Amazon. And then we're very excited about releasing a nine-part video series on innovation with the online learning platform, Open Sesame. And if you just go to opensesame.com, put in Firestein, F-I-R-E-S-T-I-E-N, you'll be able to preview those nine videos. And uh, they're wonderful for micro learning. They're about five minutes each. They're super high produced. We had a great time doing it. So, um, And then on, also on the website, rogerfirestein.com, there's lots of free resources as well. And there's a whole online learning program there that teaches you how to lead the creative process. And that's free. So uh, just take a look. Glad to help. Excellent. I'll be sure to have those links for our listeners this week in the show notes page. And uh, Roger, this has been fantastic. I feel okay. the need to go create and think better. So I really feel like <laughs> have you, fun. Yeah, you, you did, did your job today to get me going. So I think it's helpful. Uh, but yeah. So yeah, thanks again. My pleasure. And for that action step this week, schedule a brainstorming session. Your brain is much more powerful than you even realize. And the act of generating new and creative ideas is a skill you can practice. Schedule 30 minutes on your calendar this week to brainstorm as many solutions as possible to one big problem you're facing right now. This simple practice can truly change your life. JeffSanders.com slash 413 is the place to go to get the episode notes. Also go to 5AMMiracle.com to join the 5AM club and get free email updates about the show. That's all I've got for you here on the 5AM Miracle podcast this week. Until next time, you have the power to change your life and the fun begins bright and early. Hey, it's Jeff Sanders, and I'm here to tell you about Greg McEwen and his amazing show, The Greg McEwen Podcast, part of the Yap Media Network. Want to achieve more by doing less, all while avoiding burnout? You can design a life that really matters with Greg McEwen, author of New York Times bestsellers, Effortless and Essentialism. His mission is to help you advocate and negotiate your way to remarkable results. Every Tuesday, Greg discusses one key topic he finds interesting and valuable through the lens of the essentialist. Every Thursday, he invites thought leaders, entrepreneurs, celebrities, and people like you for inspired weekly conversations focused on learning how to do what matters first and do less but better. His content will stir your thoughts and spark inspiration and action. And his British accents, well, that's just the cherry on top. Subscribe to the Greg McEwen podcast today on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform.